heard a story a while back about a young Christian woman who was in an art gallery while she was strolling through the gallery she stopped at a painting of Jesus's crucifixion and while she was examining the painting she was approached by a younger woman who stopped and asked who is that a picture of the first lady was completely shocked by the question she said "You're, you're joking right to which the lady responded well no I mean should I know who that is and the first lady responded with ah yeah yeah you should that's that's Jesus and this is a painting of his death and the other woman stood there for just a moment staring at the picture and simply responded with how tragic and then she left well the first woman just continued to stand there for a moment shocked that a a grown woman had never heard about Jesus and after some time she soon felt the urge to go and find the woman and she searched all throughout the art gallery couldn't find her so she began to describe her to others there to see if there was anyone there who knew the woman she finally found someone who did and got some contact information for the woman and she contacted her by phone and when she got her on the phone she explained who she was and she said I'm sorry to bother you but I failed to tell you the rest of the story about that painting that you asked me about She said, though Jesus' death was awful, it was also glorious. Because that person you saw in that painting, though he died, he is not still dead, but is in fact alive. He has risen from the dead. I, I love that story because in that story, that woman goes to great lengths to let the other woman know that Jesus is not dead, but is alive. He is risen. And what we find as we study through this book, God's book, the Bible, we find that there are many writers all throughout the New Testament who go to great lengths to make this point as well. And Matthew is no exception. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Matthew. For those of y'all visiting here with us, we've been uh, studying through Matthew's account of the death, burial, and, and resurrection of Jesus. So we're, in, in the, we're at the end of Matthew. If you're not sure where Matthew is, don't worry. Uh, we, uh, the Bible is divided up into Old Testament and New Testament. And Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, okay? And Matthew 28 is the last chapter in the first book in the New Testament. So first book of the New Testament, last chapter, Matthew 28. Church, we're almost finished with our series we've been doing this month of April for Easter, entitled Matthew's Easter Story. And it's fitting this morning on Resurrection Sunday 2017 that we are looking at verses 1 through 10 of Matthew 28, which is the account of the first eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection. And something you find as you read through Matthew's gospel is that he, like the other gospel writers, is doing more than simply giving us facts about Jesus' life. 
You all may remember, church, you may remember at Christmas, I was in the first part of Matthew, at the very beginning, looking at the passage on Jesus' genealogy. Remember I told you that Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience, and he is writing, he is sharing these details about Jesus' life to show that Jesus is God's promised Messiah. He is the one sent by God the Father, to accomplish our salvation, to make a way for us to be restored to God. That's Matthew's reason for writing this book here and writing this chapter here in Matthew 28. Matthew is not simply recording historical facts about Jesus, though everything he says here is absolutely true. But he is, he is laying out the evidence for Jesus' resurrection so that we, you and me, would be convinced so that we would know that Jesus is the Christ, that he has been raised so that we would believe in him and have life in his name. That's why he's writing. So this morning, I want to focus on verses 1 through 10. Matthew 28, I want you to see the proof of the resurrection through what Jesus' followers witnessed. And as many of you know, there were hundreds of eyewitnesses in Matthew's day when he's writing this. Hundreds of eyewitnesses to Jesus' resurrection. More than 500 saw him at one time, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15. And in every gospel, and in the book of Acts, and in the, the epistles as well, we have eyewitness accounts of the resurrection recorded for us. In Matthew 28, we have recorded for us what Jesus' followers saw. They were women. So the first witnesses were women, which says a whole lot. Let me camp out here for just a moment. The reason that tells us a whole lot is because... If Jesus' followers were trying to make up a story to deceive people into believing that the resurrection had occurred, if they are trumping up a resurrection myth, it makes no sense whatsoever for them to give us the witness of women. And I'll tell you why. Because in that day, in the first century, in this culture, women's testimony was not considered legitimate and valid. Now, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's a good thing. I think that's wrong, but that's the way it was in the first century. And that's a very, very important detail in our story because if that's true and the gospel writers are trying to trick people into believing that Jesus had risen from the dead, then why would they give us the account of the eyewitness of women, which would not be considered reliable and valid? That's a pretty good question, right? Every one of the gospel writers tells us that the first witnesses to the empty tomb, the first to hear from angels and the risen Christ were women. How many of y'all have ever told a story that's not true? Am I the only honest one? I'm keeping my hand up. All right, good, good. Or you, you, maybe you told a story trying to convince someone, trick someone into believing something that's not true. When you do that, if you're good at it, you will make up and include details that are convincing, right? That will be believed. You do not include details that will immediately discredit your story. So the reason women are mentioned 
in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's gospel as being the first eyewitnesses of the empty tomb and the angels and the risen Lord is because, get this, they were. They were. They're, they're mentioned in this way because this story is absolutely true. The reason these testimonies are included is because this is what happened, folks. And why were women the first eyewitnesses? Why, why did God allow for this? Many try to over-spiritualize this, and, and they'll tie it back into Eve's sin in the garden, and they'll say God is making right what Eve wronged at the very beginning. Sounds good. They, they say that, that God set it up in this way to give further validity to his resurrection story. I believe it's simply because they're faithful. Matthew is emphasizing this in Matthew 27 28 over and over again we've looked at it he is emphasizing the faithfulness of these women they were there at the cross they were in the tomb while Jesus's body was still there they were there the next day to see the empty tomb the angels and the risen Lord they never wavered in their faith from the cross to the grave they are always with Jesus they're always at his side and we have said, may that be said of us, right? No matter what happens in this life, may we be like these women. May we always be with Jesus, abiding in him. That's where they wanted to be. And because they were always with them, they were the first to witness the empty tomb, the angels, and the risen Lord. First, let's look at the fact that the women saw the empty tomb. Now, we're going to camp out on this a little while. Before I get into this, I've got to explain this to you. The resurrection accounts of Jesus are different in each gospel. They do not conflict, but the details are different. Some include more details than others. Some jump around a bit, making the timeline of what took place a little bit more difficult to discern. But that should not concern you. That should not cause you issues. I emailed my New Testament professor from seminary, Dr. Kendall Easley. We were going back and forth on this when I was preparing this sermon. Many of y'all remember him coming. He did a walk through the Bible, studied through Revelation. We've got a few books of his in our, in our bookstore. And he emailed me this about the differing resurrection accounts. This was in an email, and I want to share it with you because it's good. Check this quote out from Dr. Easley. He said this, the harmonization of the Easter accounts are notoriously difficult to harmonize. For example, in a few accounts, two angels are mentioned and others only one. Some accounts mention one woman, others more. This, he says, strengthens the case for the truthfulness of these accounts because this shows there was no secret agreement between the four writers to say the exact same thing. In these four accounts, we have four different perspectives on the same story. Just like with witnesses in a court case, if recollections are identical, that lessens the value of what they report. So very, very true. I agree. These differing accounts remind us that this book, God's book, was written by men. Men with different personalities, different perspectives, 
all the while being carried along by the Holy Spirit. This book was written by God through men, and in these accounts we have their perspectives, which are true and do not conflict, but they are different. Matthew writes in such a way where it seems as if when the women get to the tomb, they see this angel and hear from him right away. But in the other accounts, the women seem to see the empty tomb first, and then they see the two angels and hear from them a little bit later. They hear from the angels later that, that Christ is risen. So the, the other gospel writers, they make it clear, I believe, that when the women first arrive, the first thing they see is the empty tomb. That's why I led with this point. Now, listen, that doesn't make what Matthew says wrong. That doesn't mean his account is inaccurate. Remember, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were not with the women at first and are merely giving their take on the women's testimony. They're giving their version of the story, of course, under the guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit. All of these stories are correct. Matthew's simply just giving us a more condensed version. Let me give you an illustration. If four of us were going to go to a football game and were to come back here and report to you what went on during the game, it's going to be different, right? One of us may just give like a summary, a general summary, a, a one-sentence summary of the game. Somebody else may give a play-by-play from first quarter, second quarter, halftime, third and fourth quarter. Another person may jump around. They may say, well, this is what happened at halftime. Oh, yeah, this happened in the first quarter. Oh, this happened in the fourth quarter, right? Different accounts, not inaccurate, not untrue, just, just different. And to get a better grasp of the whole game, we got to weave all those stories together, right, to understand it a little clearer. Same is true when it comes to the gospel accounts. Though it is important for us to understand what happened in the book we are in and the context it's in through the lens of that writer, it's also important to call upon other inspired books for a more detailed perspective. So let's do that, okay? Let's do that now. This story begins with these women setting out to visit the tomb of Jesus after Passover on the first day of the week on Sunday. Look at it with me up on the screen, Matthew 28, beginning in verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Okay, stop there for just a minute. Notice here, while it's still dark, after Sabbath, on the first day of the week, these women set out for the tomb where Jesus is buried. And while they are on their way, let me stress that. Did I stress it enough? The events of Matthew 28, 2 through 4 happen. Look at it. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Verse 3, his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Now, by the way this is written, many, I believe, have wrongfully concluded that the women were there to witness this angel descending down from heaven, rolling back the stone and sitting on it, and the guards falling over. 
but that's not the way this passage reads, and it's not compatible with the other gospel accounts. They are on their way to the tomb as this is happening. And remember, again, I said in the other accounts, the women saw the empty tomb first. And they're confused about the whereabouts of Jesus. John tells us Mary Magdalene, after seeing the stone roll away in the empty tomb, actually runs to get Peter and John. And she tells them, someone has taken Jesus and we do not know where they have laid him. She still thought Jesus was dead somewhere. She thought someone had stolen the body. She was not there when the angel told the other women that Jesus is risen. She heard that later. They do not see this angel descend. The soldiers did before they passed clean out. And we're going to talk about the soldiers next week. They actually tell the, the religious leaders that they saw this and the religious leaders pay them off and say, no, 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 don't tell people that. Tell them that someone took the body. So they're the one that trump up the myth that someone took the body. So Matthew here is either telling us what was taking place as they were on their way before they arrived or something that happened a little earlier that morning. Many commentators interpret this passage to mean that Matthew breaks from the narrative to go back in time. Notice in verse 2 it says, Behold, that word is used a lot by Matthew. <clears throat> that means Matthew is drawing attention to something big that's happening. He says, Behold, there was, past tense, before the women arrived, a great earthquake, and the angel descended, rolled back the stone, the guards fell over as dead men, and he sat on the stone. Now, let me say this as well. This angel did not roll back the stone so that Jesus could come out, as some artists depict. Jesus didn't need the angel's help in getting out, all right? He said he had the power to take up his life again, right? He did not need an angel to open up the tomb. He has already risen at this time. Some will ask, well, how did he get out? Well, he walked through walls during his post-resurrection ministry, so I imagine a rock at this tomb was nothing for him to worry about, right? So the angel did not move the rock so that Jesus could get out, but he rolled it back so that people could come in and see that the tomb was empty. But this, this earthquake and angel who descended down to roll back the stone, that happened before the ladies arrived. In the Life Application Commentary on Matthew, it says this. Look at these quotes up on the screen. This supernatural event took place before the women arrived at the tomb. In the Holman New Testament Commentary on Matthew, we're told these verses that talk about the earthquake and the angel descending provide a flashback two events that happened before the women arrived. When Matthew resumed the narrative in the present, as the women arrived at the tomb, they saw only the aftermath of what happened in verses 2 through 4 of Matthew 28. Now, when the ladies arrive at the tomb, in Matthew's account, Matthew goes ahead and he talks about their encounter with an angel. The other Gospels give us a little bit more detail. They beef it up a little bit and let us know what's going on between the blank spaces in Matthew's Gospel. Few things happened prior to this point. We've already mentioned some, but let's look at it. Let's look at Mark 16, 1 through 4. I have it up on the screen. You don't have to turn there. When the Sabbath was passed, 
Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on, the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. So they didn't see an angel right away, right? They just see the stone rolled back in the empty tomb. They saw the aftermath of what happened. Here's what Luke tells us. Look at Luke 24, 1 through 4 up on the screen. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. We are told that they are perplexed by this. So they hadn't seen an angel yet, right? They're scratching their heads. What's going on? Here's what John tells us in his gospel. Look at it. John 20, 1 through 2. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, that's John, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So in these four accounts, we get a better handle on what happened that Sunday morning. We know an angel rolled away the stone before the ladies arrived. We know that Jesus was already gone This happened early in the morning on the first day of the week after the Sabbath while it was still dark. We're told that the ladies also went out early. John says while it was still dark as the sun was coming up, they got there when the sun had risen. Mark tells us that. And though John only mentions Mary Magdalene, remember she uses the word we, right? when talking to John and Peter, so there were other ladies with her at the empty tomb. We learned from Luke, it was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. They went bringing spices to make Jesus' body smell better because they didn't embalm bodies then. So they are going to help make his body smell better. When they got there, the, the stone had been rolled away and they saw the empty tomb. In John's account, we're told Mary ran to go get Peter and John to tell them that the tomb was empty. While she's gone, I believe the ladies go in. They have this encounter with the angels. We'll talk about that in just a moment. They leave, and while that's happening, Mary finds Peter and John and tells them someone has taken the body, so they run. Remember? They go, they see that the tomb is empty. They saw Jesus' grave clothes folded up, but they didn't see the angels right away. John did say when he saw the empty tomb, he believed. The empty tomb was enough for John. Mary later returned to the tomb. We're told that Mary saw two angels, and she had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus also appeared to the men on the road to Emmaus. He appeared to the women after they left the tomb on their way to tell the disciples about Jesus' resurrection. And Jesus also appeared to the disciples, minus Judas Iscariot for obvious reasons, and 
Thomas and he later appears to Thomas. You with me? You got the timeline? If not, I have a copy of the timelines out on the welcome table. I've got three different ones that you can take with you as you leave today. Okay, but that's the, that's the timeline on the events. I know that's a lot, but I want you to be able to harmonize these events and know how it all connects together. Now, come back with me to the main point. All right, let me bring you back to the main point. The main point I want you to see here is very, very simple. The first thing these women saw was the empty tomb. When the women arrived at sunrise on the first day of the week, before they have an encounter with angels, they see the empty tomb. No Jesus. In John's account, Mary saw the tomb was empty. She goes to tell John and Peter, they return, they see that the tomb is empty. The empty tomb is a key piece of evidence when it comes to Jesus' resurrection. I had an old college professor who once said, man, if they could just find Jesus' body, the Christian faith could be done away with. No, I didn't have the boldness back then. I'd like to think that my answer to him today would be, yeah, but they haven't, so what should that tell us? Right? You see, though my professor didn't believe in the resurrection, he acknowledged the fact that the empty tomb is a key piece of evidence in favor of Christianity. Listen, no matter what you believe about Jesus, you have to address the issue of the empty tomb. These women also saw, but not only saw, they heard from angels. Look at verses 5 and 6. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. So after seeing the empty tomb, Mary Magdalene runs off. She finds Peter and John. The rest of the women approach the tomb. They have an encounter with this angel. Now, Matthew only mentions the angel who speaks. We learn in Luke and John there were two angels in the tomb. One of the angels speaks and lets the women know that no one has taken Jesus. He's not dead somewhere. He is alive. And he draws their attention to the place where Jesus' body lay, says, see, he's not here. He has risen. Mary Magdalene will return. Peter and John, they, they visit the empty tomb. She comes back. She has an encounter with the two angels as well. We'll learn next week that the Roman soldiers saw that angel descend down and roll back the stone before they pass clean out. So, this is not some sort of solitary, secretive encounter here. Many saw the angels, and they heard from them, and they shared with others what had happened. Look at verse 7. The angel said to the women, Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, there's that word again, 
He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So notice these women are told by this angel to go and let the disciples know about this encounter, which they do. In John 20, 18, after Mary has the encounter that she has with these angels and meets Christ, she goes with the women and tells the disciples about all of these things. This meeting here with angels was not meant to be secretive. If it was, we wouldn't be talking about it today all around the world, right? It was meant to be told, and this gives further evidence to the resurrection. Not only did the women see the empty tomb, but the women saw and heard from angels, and they showed them that Jesus is not in the tomb. He has risen. And notice the angel tells them the same thing Jesus said before his death. He tells these women, go and tell the disciples that Christ is risen from the dead and behold, he is going before you to meet you in Galilee. Jesus before his death in Matthew 26, 32 said, after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. So, The angel here is just reiterating the message that Jesus gives, and that's the work that angels do throughout Scripture, right? Angels play a key role in God's kingdom story. They fight for God. They fight for his people. They direct praise toward God. They minister to Christ during his earthly ministry, and they appear to God's people to proclaim the good news of God's gospel. Remember, they appeared to shepherds on a hillside when Jesus is born, announcing that Jesus has come. And here they are in the empty tomb after Jesus' death and resurrection. They appeared to shepherds to let them know where Jesus could be found. They appeared to these women in the tomb to let them know where Jesus could not be found. They echo the words of God. They do his bidding. They are his messengers. And here we have them giving us another piece of evidence here. In addition to the women seeing the empty tomb, they saw and heard from angels. And notice the third and final thing here. They also heard from and embraced Jesus. They saw, heard from, and embraced the risen Christ. Look at verses 8 through 10. We're told, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, there's that word again. Matthew's just letting the readers know there's incredible stuff going on here. Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So the angel in the tomb tells them that Jesus has risen from the dead. He's going to meet up with them in Galilee, and they, they, they set out there to go and tell the disciples that Christ is risen. And while they're on their way, we're told again, behold, Jesus meets them. This is one of the many appearances of the Lord Jesus. And what does Jesus say to them when he meets them? It says, greetings. I love that. You know what the contemporary translation of the word greetings is? Hello. That's it. 
I, I love the simplicity of the account here. On the one hand, it's an amazing miracle. Jesus is risen from the dead, but it's reported in the simplest of terms because this is what happened. This is real life. This happened at a real place in real time in history. Jesus knew these women, and they knew him. They not only see him, they not only hear from him, but we're told they embrace him and they worship him. We're told at the end of verse 9, they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Now let me say this. Some think critically of the men and women who lived at this time. They think they were just a bunch of superstitious, uneducated people who always leaned on the side of the miraculous. They believed resurrections just happen all the time, which is why they were misled in this day. That's what many believe. For those who think that, I want to point out two important details from this story, and then we'll close. One, I want you to notice what these women were expecting to find when they set out that morning. And number two, how fearful they were when they saw angels and the risen Christ. First notice, they left that morning for the tomb expecting to see Jesus' body in it. That's what they were expecting. They, They brought spices for his body. Mary told Peter and John after seeing the empty tomb, someone's taken the body. We don't know where they have laid him. Thomas responds by saying, unless I feel the wounds of crucifixion, I will not believe Jesus has risen from the dead. They were not ignorant, superstitious people. They were like you and me. And and notice, after encountering the angel and the risen Lord, these women, though they listened to angels and they embraced Jesus and fell at his feet, they were frightened. They were terrified. They were all shook up. You know how we know that? Because the angels say, do not be afraid. Matthew tells us when they left that encounter with angels in the empty tomb, they departed with fear and great joy. Emotions I believe we would feel as well, believers. And when they encounter the risen Lord, Jesus says, do not be afraid. They were not expecting this. The way Matthew reports this miraculous encounter in common language, the way the women feel, the fact that they had joy and were all shook up, they were afraid, again, just gives further validity, I believe, to the story. These women set out that morning expecting to find Jesus' body in the tomb. Instead, you know what they found? An empty tomb. They had an encounter with angels who told them that Christ had risen from the dead and they saw and heard from and embraced Jesus. When when these women see Jesus, they fall at his feet, they embrace him, they worship him. Folks, that should be our response to Christ if Christ is risen from the dead. If he has risen from the dead, that means he is exactly who he claimed to be. And our only response is to embrace him and worship him. 
That means if he has risen from the dead, he is God's son. He is the king of kings. He is our great savior who has come to rescue us from sin and death and that he alone is worthy of our worship. Those are the facts right there. That's the evidence. And the question I want to leave you with today is this. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe Jesus is who he claimed to be? Do you believe he rose from the dead? Eyewitnesses tell us he did. They saw the empty tomb, angels, and the risen Lord. God tells us from his word that Christ has risen from the dead. So the question for you today is, do you believe it? Are you trusting in Christ alone as your risen Lord and Savior? If not, today's the day. Now's the time. I urge you, if you're not trusting in Christ, may you forsake your sin, turn from your sin, bow your knee to King Jesus, make him your Lord today, and be saved. No better time than right now to do that. Let's pray.